This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Tim and Casey at Road Atlanta tucked inside the ever-insulated Jackson AMC trailer. Casey, it's hard to even hear those race cars inside here. Yeah, hopefully, uh, although I did just hear that the race got red flagged, so that may be part of it. We'll see what happens over the next couple of minutes here. Hey, we're coming to you from the EV Fan Zone, which uh, I had this, uh, I love racing, and my sons are really into this kind of racing, and and for about six or seven years, I've been trying to get this track uh, to do an EV corral. And it wasn't until we found a sponsor that would spend the money that they uh, that they were willing to do it. But Jackson EMC last year stepped up, uh, stepped up again this year. United Consulting got us a tent this year. Casey, my my, what a difference a year makes in having that big tent to get folks out of the the sun, the cool, the rain. Yeah, this is great, and we've got a bunch of different EVs up, and this isn't even the you know kind of biggest day of the race, so it's great to see uh, you know our guest here, Chris Campbell, with his uh, Audi e-tron, uh, and uh, there's a Porsche Taycan, which I understand I can take home if I turn in my car. Is that right, Tim? <laughs> if you will sign over your two children, I understand that they will let you have that. Uh, uh, Chris, it's good to have you on Energy Matters. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. This is actually, you know, a historic race. Uh, the Le Mans in uh, France is, is a historic thing. has been around forever. And I know that they've been running the Petit Le Mans, the little Le Mans here in, in Braselton for a couple decades. And, um, you know, just putting EVs aside, it's a great motorsports event. You know, it's an endurance race. Uh, you got these uh, engines howling in the distance. Um, which is a big contrast to electric cars, but it's it's a great event to be at. And manufacturers, Chris, really drive this event. These OEMs that bring their cars, Porsche, Mercedes, Cadillac, uh, believe it or not, the Corvette brand, uh, they spend some serious money. And if you walk around these pits and you're allowed to walk around the pits here with your ticket, you see these race trailers, these race teams, the marketing people, manufacturing uh, i feel like is is really a key for us to move evs forward because imagine chris if the manufacturers of porsche said we want a Taycan series just like they've got their carrera series they have the ability to drive this agenda and you're already seeing some of that you know there's the formula e series um, so the same way you know uh, formula one has a mercedes a, a major involvement in that and, and honda um, you're seeing that in Formula E, and a lot of these car companies, whether it's it's Jaguar or, or Nissan, you know they're stepping forward with the open wheel um, racing in the case of Formula E. But there, you have started to see, um, you know, a, a Tesla based or a Jaguar or whatever um, racing series, kind of like the old um, was it IROC, where everybody had the same car, the same model car, but you got to really see what the what the drivers could do with the car that they had. I think you know electric racing is coming along the early years of formula e weren't 
Um, you know, they were still developing the drivetrain, but um, in the last couple seasons, it's actually been really exciting to watch. And he actually gets carried on TV on Fox. Casey, I want to just hy- hypothetical with you this, uh, the idea of the Porsche Taycan taking whatever battery range that it has. Uh, so I, I guess you could maybe run, you know, maybe, maybe let's say it's a two and a half mile track. So let's just say that you were going to run a 30 lap race with these and all you had were those quiet Taycans out there. And, and you know, these old timers here, they're holding their stopwatch. They have these radar guns. They're very into time. And if those Taycans were out there by themselves, uh, running as fast as they would run. I mean, I would just love to see that. I don't know that it's ever happened. Yeah, I don't think it's been done with the uh, Taycans. As Chris said, the uh, Formula E series, Jaguar was a big participant in that. And so they had uh, an I-Pace, which is their SUV-ish kind of thing that you can go buy if you want to. Uh, They had that as a support race series, right? So they'd race these things before the Formula E race. Um, You know, by all accounts, they're quick, right? But they're quiet. So it's a little bit of a different experience, a little shift of mindset for uh, folks who are out spectating. So I'll put on Twitter my race hat that I'm wearing, and you see that I'm wearing a yellow DHL Formula E hat that I got in Montreal at the Formula E race there. So it was about four years ago I had a chance to go up there and see that race. And to your point, Casey, and and you, Chris, it was two different short sessions, very quiet. You could talk. We're not... We, we could do our radio show right there in the stands. We don't have to sequester ourselves deep in the hole of the Jackson EMC utility trailer. Well, that's one of the things about an electric car race that's different is, and I've been to a Formula E like you, they can have like music. You can have like a band playing on a stage in the distance and they're not, you know, just like right now, you know, we have a car race happening. We have to, everybody has to shut up and we're just, you know, not going to try to talk during the car race because you can't hear anything. Uh, versus having a having you know a music or some other part of it, um, you can hear the cars coming because um, they have like gear wine. You can hear the tires, you can hear the, the transmission. Um, but I have one one good story, which is that there's a, a famous uh, twisty road up in the mountains called Tail of the Dragon. So this is on the Tennessee North Carolina border, twisty road that motorcyclists and, and sports cars like to, to drive, and us uh, electric car owners like to go there because we, we have these torque monsters, these machines that have enormous amount of torque and they just carve through turns. And there are people, uh, professional photographers that set up along that route and take pictures of cars going by and you can visit their website later on. So you're not arranging ahead of time. You just go to their, their website and you can buy a picture of you driving on this road for 40 bucks, you know. They, but they only take pictures when they hear you coming. And whenever I've done that, t- done the Tale of Dragon, there's always, you know, they have pictures of the side of me and the rear of me. They never have pictures of the front of me, you know, by face, because they don't hear me coming. So, you know, I learned that as I'm going down the Tale of Dragon, if I see a photographer up ahead to hit my horn, so he, you know, looks up from his camera, you know, he's, he's busy editing his camera, editing his photos, look up and, and get some pictures. The hazards of driving EV, KC, it's quiet and you can run over people. That's right. And, you know, there, there's some great driving roads in North Georgia as well. And I Recently, I was up in uh, uh, along Neil's Gap there, and uh, I-, I was pulling away from a sport bike that was following me, Chris. And I'm not going to tell on myself here as to how fast I was going, but I'll I'll leave it, Tim, to say that I looked down at my speedometer and said I should probably slow down a little bit at this point. Chris, I want to ask you about the EV Club of the South. I remember attending one of your events at Manuel's Tavern, and it was the first time I had seen a Kia 
EV Soul. It was back in 2015. I liked it so much that I went out and leased one after seeing it at your club. You guys want to help people be able to see the products, make a, a, a wise decision on how it will best serve their family's needs. Yeah, we're a group of owners, so we're EV evangelists. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. Some of us are, you know, newer than that. Some of them have been doing this for decades. Um, you know, they're really hardcore early adopters. Um, but really in the last 10 years, since 2010, there's been these production cars have been coming out. They're starting the Chevy Volt, the Nissan Leaf, lots of Tesla owners. We have, you know, all these other cars hitting the market in the last, last two years, whether you're talking about the Fords or uh, Audi. In, in my case, I have an Audi, um, you know, Volvo, Polestar, these, all, these, all these car companies. And so we are, you know, we're owners. We're not selling the cars. So we show up at um, typically kind of green-minded events. So Earth Day, we're always in demand because everybody's having Earth Day events or um, something like that where we'll show up with our cars and just answer questions. And everybody's got the same questions, you know, where do you charge? How much range does it get? Uh, what about road trips? And, and those all, all those answers got so much better in the last 10 years that it really is a joy. And of course, driving the car, as we were just talking about, you know, carving down mountain roads, the, the driving the car itself is, is a joy. Typically, these outreach events, you know, we're not driving people around. But that's one of the things that I kind of do myself is I'll do, uh, you know, I'll take people out to lunch in the car. And you know, it's one thing to talk, you know, we're talking about these things and it, it, you can only drain, generate so much excitement that way. You put somebody in the car and stomp the accelerator, they are suddenly paying attention. That's a new level of communication when you put their head into the headrest. Well, just in our last minute or two, let me ask you both about, about the evolution of EVs and why the Japanese were first out of the chute, why the Germans were slower uh, coming out. Both of you uh, have had German cars. Casey, you had an i3, you had the Volkswagen, and Chris, you got the Audi. Uh, Casey, first to you. You know, I, I don't know is the answer, um, other than uh, Carlos Ghosn, who the former CEO of Nissan, was really kind of pushing uh, ahead with the Nissan Leaf and, and was kind of first out of the market. And uh, the Germans have been a little bit more resistant. Chris, just a minute left. So uh, sorry to put you in a lightning round here for this answer, but what's your speculation on this? Well, the Germans, um, uh, they're more conservative, so it took a while to, for them to come around. And actually, I mean, uh, uh, Casey touched on it. You know, who is at the top of the company does have a big effect. BMW, in the early 2010s, was really out in front with the i3, an amazing car, the i8. But then the top level of the company changed. The C-suite kind of reshuffled, and they, they took their foot off the gas, so to speak. And now they're suffering for it. They don't have electric cars on the market. They're coming, but they're behind. Um, and so you have Ford is is really pushing hard on the on the Mach-E right now. So these kind of these fortunes kind of come and go, and it kind of does depend on, on leadership and whether they're they're in on this or not. You know, my theory is that the Germans uh, they make the best gearboxes and transmissions and engines in the world, and they were hesitant to give up that that margin that they make on there. Uh, but I think really as they've seen the market move. They simply can't afford to let Asia dominate this. Well, stick around. We're going to bring these guys back uh, for another segment. We're at the racetrack. You hear the cars in the background. We're sequestered in the trailer. Um, but uh, coming back to you in just a minute. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters live from Road Atlanta.
Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. GasSouth believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back, Energy Matters. At Road Atlanta, you hear the cars uh, in the background. We're recording the week end of the Petit Le Mans. Uh, so I don't know if you went to the to track and you've experienced it, but uh, we want to be out here every year uh, letting race fans know that EVs work. Uh, when we left uh, Casey. This last segment, we were speculating about German manufacturers. Um, you had another thought on that. Yeah, so I was mentioning during the break uh, here that we just released at, at Escalant our EV Forward Europe study. And uh, we've had my colleague Mike Devorney on the show before uh, who runs that study. And among all of the European countries, the Germans are the most skeptical about EVs. The least skeptical, the most open, Italians. Wow. And of course, they've got some exotic, exotic cars. I don't know that. I mean, Fiat may be the most common man's car that is coming out of Italy. I mean, of course, um, Lamborghini, Ferrari, uh, those exotics. And they're they're here at the track. Uh, There are Ferraris and Lamborghinis running out there. Chris, uh, Casey's done a lot with studies. You talk to a lot of people about EVs. Do you see public opinion changing on EVs now? Um, yeah, I, you know, some of it, you can think about it like uh, a lot of people have seen Tesla uh, drag strip videos, and that that kind of is getting into the mindset of the, the average person that they know that uh, a Tesla electric car is a really high-performance car. You know, 10 years ago, these were all kind of penalty boxes, and you can look at, you know, electric cars from the 70s and 80s. They were just these very slow, ugly things. Uh, Tesla really changed uh, the minds of, you know, the early adopters, and then it's now, you know, it's pretty common knowledge that these are uh, high-performance cars. They're no-compromise cars. You can go on road trips with them. Um, Tesla changed that. Of course, you know, we have, you have to get the rest of the industry because Tesla can only make so many cars. Um, and so you have the rest of the industry coming around. But I think it's it's not like 
uh, it's pretty rare now that I encounter somebody that hasn't even heard of the concept of an electric car. I mean, everybody knows what they are, and typically they also know that they are um, killer performance cars. Casey, we've talked before about Lyft and Uber using electric cars. Lyft had their express drive. I actually rented one, drove Lyft for a weekend, picked up 15 customers, and wrote an op-ed about it. Uh, So I wanted to experience that, and it's a great deal for people that maybe they don't have a decent car and they need a part-time job. Uh, So they get a great car. The fuel is free. Uh, if, if they rent if they rent and the insurance is included so for a while I thought that was the best way but when Hertz ordered a hundred thousand Teslas for their fleet I'm now changing my mind that uh, it's one thing to ride in the back seat of a Chevy Bolt it's another thing to go on a business trip and rent a Hertz Tesla and drive it for a weekend yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be a big deal for folks to just be able to get experience with them. I mean, I think Chris hit the nail on the head that, you know, whether you're taking folks to lunch in your EV or whether you're renting one, just having experience really opens people's minds. As, as Chris said, it's they're not penalty boxes anymore. They're really nice cars. They've got the range that meet most people's needs. Certainly not everyone, but most people. Um, and they are just a ton of fun to drive. Let me ask you, Chris, about this theory I have about the Lyft Express Drive with the Bolts and now the Hertz uh, with the Tesla. What do you think the impact is going to be with those rental cars? So we have a saying, uh, putting butts in seats. You, you put people in the car and drive it, and you that changes your mind more than anything, more than us talking about it, more than the fact sheets that I hand out to people uh, trying to explain these cars. Actually, drive having experience uh, driving the car is... Um, really changes it um so yeah renting being able to rent a car um is is important for getting the word out um you know there's a a few lyft drivers that i know that in our group that are um you know driving electric and you know they're doing outreach every day you know they they have somebody gets in the car and maybe they they stomp the driver stomps in the accelerator and gets their attention and they have that you know 10 minute conversation about electric cars i did want to point out one other thing which is there's this um uh, a company called Turo. It's kind of a clearinghouse. It's basically Airbnb for cars, so people can rent out their own car, just like you rent out might rent out your apartment. Um, and you can go to Turo, T-U-R-O, and rent a specific electric car that you're interested in. I've been doing that for almost 10 years now. Where and it's a way for me to explore and discover other electric cars. So if somebody is interested in spending, you know, a couple days or a week with an electric car, take a look at Turo, and that might be a, a way to to get your get your feet wet. Casey, I think about the genius that Elon Musk had in setting up the Tesla supercharging stations, the proprietary stations early on, uh, free charging for the Model S. Uh, The other ones are paying now. But the fact that you can go in the car, the the charger recognizes the car. You You don't wave a credit card. You don't punch anything in. You just plug it in. I just, I just wonder if that head start that he had doing that it gave drivers so much confidence in knowing that hey i can go across the country with my tesla and i know there are going to be tesla branded chargers that work how important was that decision that elon musk made early on in selling his cars yeah so i think it was an absolutely critical decision so you know as i mentioned before uh, the range of evs works for most people but the thing that stops people from getting an EV is the, okay, 
Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to go visit grandma, right? And so we've got to go drive 600 miles to go visit grandma. Um, or, you know, my kid is at college, you know, five states away. I'm going to have to go, you know, drop her off, uh, you know, twice a year or whatever it may be. And so by removing that fear from the equation, having those supercharger stalls there, making it really easy for Tesla drivers to find them, navigate to them, use them. I mean, it completely removed that fear and I think has been a big part of Tesla's success, certainly. Chris, uh, to you on the same question and think about this, and since you're driving a German car and Porsche, Audi and VW all tied at the hip, Tesla proactively did this as a part of their marketing VW did it after the fact because of the cheating scandal on the diesel. What a difference timing makes. Yeah, and, and it comes down to money, too. You know, we, um, everybody knows how, how Tesla's stock has had a meteoric rise. Well, Tesla took some of the early winnings from their, from their IPO. Um, they basically made like a billion dollars off their IPO. Uh, this is like 10 years ago. And they made the decision, they're going to spend 15% of that. $150 million is what they spent on their initial supercharging rollout. Okay, so now fast forward 10 years later, Volkswagen did a very bad thing. They programmed their cars to lie. And so they're paying a steep penalty in, in this country, at least. And so they happen to spend $2 billion, which is 10 times as much. Over 10 years, they're rolling out uh, Electrify America. And that is just like Tesla with the supercharging network starting in 2012. Well, now, starting in 2017, we're now almost halfway through this. Um, Electrify America is a game changer for everybody else the everybody else besides tesla um you can now go as of two years ago 2019 you can now go on a cross-country road trip with electric car using electrify america stations and it's now just getting better they're filling in the network but it you know people say where's the charging infrastructure and i tell them that you know 2019 call they want their question back that's done we now have cross-country infrastructure um tesla is actually still better in some ways but electrify america is, t is catching up Casey, I had a chance to take that uh, Cobb EMC Tesla Model Y out for an extensive 10-day uh, road trip. Um, and I had never road tripped in a Tesla before. I'd done a little test drive around a parking lot. But, um, but that technology where it's telling you the next charger you need to stop at, how long you need to sit there, how many cars are sitting on it right now, uh, and what I'm going to be at after I charge 20 minutes there when I get to my destination, that is an incredible data set. Yeah, well, and, and again, it helps remove that fear of road tripping, right? Because you've got all of that data available. You're able to, to have some confidence that it's going to work, that you're going to get to where you need to go. Um, you know, the, the good news is that a lot of the new EVs that uh, are coming out, I think Chris's car, certainly my car, do much the same. So it'll route you to the fast chargers that you need. It'll give you information about how long you need to stay there, kind of what network it's on, all that good stuff. So, you know, again, this is built in for a lot of the new EVs. So if you're interested in EV and do have concerns about road tripping, um, you know, you're not on your own. There are folks like, uh, you know, EV Club of the South and, and Chris that can help talk you through it, but the cars can do it too. Just a final question here as we wrap it up, another lightning round question. Um, the infrastructure package is going to spend a lot of money on chargers. How important is it for the average, you know, average car commuter who's maybe not even thinking about electric cars will they be persuaded when they see thousands and thousands of chargers 
Yeah, so there's two things about that. Um, People, when they're considering an electric car, they want to look at a map and see that there's charging stations all over the place where where they're planning to go. But the truth is, you actually don't use public charging that much. Certainly, when you're in your home city, you are charging at home is kind of like the food pyramid. You know, the the base of the pyramid, 80%, 90%, maybe 95% of your charging is you just plug it at home when you get home and you're you're done. Um, But the public charging infrastructure is what enables you to to go on a road trip or at least have that peace of mind that you're going to be okay. Casey, what do you think the impact's going to be of the visual, of seeing chargers where you haven't seen it before because the infrastructure bill paid for it? Yeah, so, so I think it's going to be huge. Chris is right. People don't use public charging as much as they think they might. But what we find pretty conclusively is that the more visible uh, the charging infrastructure is, the more likely people are to buy an EV. Well, I'm at Road Atlanta. I'm with Casey. I'm with Chris. We're watching some racing. We're in the Jackson EMC trailer right now just uh, recording for you as we want to continue to help you make good decisions uh, in energy. Uh, So, this is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. I'll be right back. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. Reducing pollution from the transportation industry is an important goal, and few alternative vehicle fuels offer the distinct advantages of compressed natural gas. I myself drive an F-150 C&G pickup. Marlin Compression, part of Marlin Gas Services, is helping to usher in this clean energy future to the Port of Savannah, too. Not only is Marlin Compression a trusted provider of CNG for fleet fueling, they are also working with Port Fueling Center on a state-of-the-art CNG truck fueling facility. Learn more about the distinct economic and environmental advantages of using natural gas for trucking fleets of all sizes and explore all of Marlin services by visiting marlincompression.com. That's marlincompression.com. Calculate your savings today. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters. So we moved out of the trailer into my 2013 Leaf. Casey, I feel like I've gone back to the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, you left the EV world for a moment, right? And, and you're back in this little space-aged uh, uh, pod here. You liking it so far? Yeah. You know, I, I, had, I had a 13 Leaf, then I had a 15 Leaf, and then a 15 Kia Soul EV. Uh, and then I got that little Rivian, right? I mean, not that E-Rivia. It's not a Rivian. It sounds like a Rivian, but it's not E-Rivia. Uh, this a parade car. And then 
the Chevy Volt uh, that I'm in now, and then this car. Uh, this is my sixth electric vehicle. But uh, this car, uh, it brings back a lot of memories of where I was seven years ago. And, you know, now I'm in a car that has the older technology. But back then, Casey, it was what we had and we made it work. It was cutting edge. And, and man, Le uh, Nissan sold a bunch of the Leafs around Georgia. And, um, yeah, it is interesting, like, looking at what you could buy now versus these older Leafs. Back then, you had the state tax credit. It was $5,000. And to my listeners, now that you're thinking about EVs, let me just tell you how sweet it was. Uh, you could uh, th this tax credit was actually created by three Cherokee County Republicans back in the late late 90s uh, after the Prius had come out. There was really no electric car to apply it to at the time. So in a way, it was it was a very progressive, futuristic uh, policy. But when the Leaf finally got here, uh, people started leasing these cars for two years, Casey and you could take the full $5,000 in two years, which was the equivalent of $208 a month. The payment, Casey, was only two sixty nine. Yeah, it sounds like you've done that math, Tim. But yeah, I, I know plenty of people who, you know, when that state tax credit was in place, uh, you know, they were paying essentially nothing for this vehicle, which, you know, great deal. And it got a lot of people very, you know, familiar with electric vehicles. Now, Things have changed since then, right, Tim? I mean, you and I both have stories. Maybe I'll tell one here really quickly. You know, I, I had a 2014 BMW i3. When I got it, we did a, a road trip up to the Nashville area and had to stop and charge a number of times. And, you know, at that time, Tim, the, the charging infrastructure wasn't as well built out as it is today. And so if you've ever driven from Chattanooga up to Nashville, you know there's that mountain that you kind of go up and over. So up to Mount Mont Eagle and then kind of down into the, the Nashville, uh, I guess, greater Nashville area uh, being generous there. And so one of the gaps was right there at Mont Eagle. So we climbed that hill. And there was a level two charger at a general store up there. And it's probably eight o'clock at night. It's dark, have the family in the car and we plug into that level two. And that takes a little while to do on a level two. You know, I have to tell you, despite the taking longer, it was great because we got out. We we're the only people in this general store. We went around, you know, they had a barbecue there. They were giving the kids sample of barbecue. They had fudge. They were giving the kids sample of fudge. Um, but we got in really late that night. And, you know, today I wouldn't have to do that one the infrastructure is a lot better than it was back then and two you know the vehicles have a lot more range the the car that i've got now has like three four times the range of that i3 that i got in 2014 had you ever climbed a hill that big and that long in that i3 it, no, not in the I-3. And, you know, when you're going up those hills, it does suck juice. And so, you know, at, at the time, again, it wouldn't be a big deal today, but at the time you're watching the battery meter decline, you're like, okay, I, I hope I can make it. And, you know, we did. It was fine. But, uh, but yeah, you always wonder. <laughs> but they love going downhill. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's great going downhill because you end up with more range at the bottom of the hill than you started with at the top of the hill. So, I've, you know, I've got a, a place that I go to up in western North Carolina pretty regularly. And the first, I don't know, 11 or so miles uh, coming back towards Atlanta is all downhill. It's about 3,500 feet of elevation decline. And so I literally, what I've discovered, Tim, is that even with my newer car, I can't charge it up 
the whole way because if I do, the car will limit the regen and I have to be on the brakes the whole time. If I don't charge it up the whole way, I can actually put that energy into the battery as I'm coming down that hill. I just can't believe that regenerative braking took so long for us to capture. Yeah, I mean, so j- just for our listeners, right, when you think about brakes in a, a normal car, right, your disc brakes, what they're doing is they're taking all of that forward momentum of you, the vehicle, everything inside it, and turning it into heat. And so that's wasteful. You can't recapture that heat. And so in an EV or even in a hybrid, you've got an electric motor that either uh, gets used instead of the brakes or in conjunction with the brakes, and it's able to put that back into a battery, and you can use that again. It's it's great. It's a brilliant idea. And we use regenerative braking philosophy at the port with our ship to shore cranes because as it's lowering containers, they're capturing that energy and that's less electricity that the port is having to pay for on their uh, monthly electric bill. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think some elevators do that too. But yeah, you know, if you can capture the energy, I mean, that's one of the reasons, Tim, that when you look at EVs, they're so much more energy efficient than gas cars. I remember years ago having an argument with my uh, my uncle about how inefficient gas cars are. At best, Tim, 20% of the energy in a gallon of gas goes to actually moving you forward. So that's 80% that gets wasted as heat, as noise, as things like that. And it's because you can't capture things in the regenerative braking. It's just not as efficient. But Casey, when you grow up and it's all you know, right, you think it's just the way it's always been and the way it will always be. And so whenever a technology comes that's kind of changing uh, the the whole paradigm, uh, it's very difficult for people to accept. Yeah, and you know, it's it's unfamiliar and you know, there's this whole idea of range anxiety and you know, I, I'm not going to minimize it, right? It is real. I talked about it in my story going up and over that hill at Mon Eagle. Um and many people when they first get an EV they're concerned about their range, but you get used to it, um, what your car can do, what impacts the range. Um, and it really, after a fairly short period of time, it becomes a non-issue for most EV owners, but you do have to get over that that first hurdle. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about an EV, go talk to someone that you know that might have an EV. They'll tell you about what the experience has been. And, you know, it, it, it's different, but it, I think it's worth that difference. Casey, another thing that I, I like to get people to think about is the context of their family, right? So, you know, I have seven children. I, I have just one daughter left at home. But so we have a car for Wendy, we have a car for me, and we have a car for that daughter. So this, uh, this, and, we, and my campaign has a car uh, as well because I'll have campaign workers driving the car or whatever. But this Nissan Leaf only has... 67 miles of range Uh, and so no we're not going to take it to you know nashville tennessee we're not going to drive it to florida we we kind of look at i mean my family we try to save as much money as possible because we have obligations right i have college tuition to pay for a daughter in virginia who's going to grad school i've got my wife that's getting her master's degree you know we've got our our house payment of course we've got expenses just like everybody listening to this and so you're trying to you know you're trying to make things work with a limited amount of income so these cheap nissan leafs that are out there yeah granted they have they have a limited amount of range but casey going to see the grandchild in this car works fine going to the grocery store works fine in this car going to the gym going to church this car works for a lot of the things that we need to do and then we just park it 
when we're going to St. Simons or Jekyll Island or or something else where we're hauling something. Uh, so, I mean, you can make these cars work. Well, what I heard out of that whole story, Tim, was that you were not nearly as brave as I was when I did that Nashville trip, or maybe stupid. I don't know. One of the two. You're, uh, so, uh, no, but but you're right. I mean, for most people, they work great as an around town vehicle. Um, you know, if you're buying something new, most of the EVs that you can buy are going to have 150, 200 miles plus of range. So, you know, to contrast to the Nashville trip, you know, my wife and I went down to Jekyll Island recently for the Georgia Energy Conference that, that you put on, Tim. And, you know, we just stopped once to charge and we did it around lunch. So we stopped, we had lunch and the car was ready to go when we were done. So, it, it, you know, kind of depending on what your life looks like, right? Um, you know, I don't know that you're fitting seven kids into an EV. I, I don't know any large vans that are, are electric yet, but, you know, depending on what your life looks like, you can make it work. Yeah, and I didn't really start fitting kids in until they were getting out of the house. And we always kept a big expedition or E350 van to haul those kids around. Again, you know, I, I guess I'm not a purist in the sense that I think all of my vehicles have to be EV. I mean, you happen to be in a two EV family and you guys are making it work. Yeah, and it was not intentional. We actually planned to have a backup. Uh, we, my wife had a diesel-powered car, and that was supposed to be our road trip car. Um, unfortunately, she drove my i3 that I got back in 2014 and liked it enough that she said she wanted to get an EV. So, you know, we ended up as a two-EV family. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't the plan. So many choices out there now. And part of the reason we're doing this EV fans on Casey just in our last minute is to help race fans who maybe they've, you know, maybe their dream is to have a, a Porsche Carrera or a Cayenne or, you know, a Cayman or something, and they come into the corral, or maybe they've seen that Tesla, or maybe they've maybe they've even gone down the highway and seen the acceleration on the car. We want them to be able to, you know, come and put their hands on a car and see some of the some of the very cool performance cars that are out here. Yeah, and, t- and talk to owners. I mean, there's folks like you and me that are here that are uh, are happy to answer questions that folks might have, and it's it's about the experience. Hey, uh, stick around. We're going to come back one more segment with you from the racetrack today as we continue to talk about EVs, about racing, about beautiful fall North Georgia weather. Stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. 
Hey, Tim Eccles back. One more segment at Beautiful Road Atlanta. Uh, Casey, uh, we're recording this. Uh, we're looking across at the fan zone. I'm seeing a Hyundai banner. I'm seeing a I'm seeing a, a, a Porsche. I've seen a Cadillac, a BMW. We talked earlier in this episode about how manufacturers drive choices and, and with their marketing money. If you look at these haulers that are coming in here that are branded with these manufacturers, they are spending a lot of money to showcase their technology. Yeah. And, you know, there's been this idea that, that racing improves the breed, right? I think I'm probably stealing someone's tagline, but this idea that you learn stuff on the racetrack that it just takes a, a long time or maybe even never to learn in, in real world conditions. And so, you know, what they learn from racing can then be applied to the vehicles. Um, but it's been interesting looking at that justification for racing over the last decade or so where you have manufacturers that are getting in and getting out and a lot of them have said look we've learned everything that we need to know in racing so it's not worth our investment anymore you know we talked earlier with chris campbell in one of our segments about the formula e racing and that's one of the reasons that a number of manufacturers got into it as they said hey you know these electric vehicle things are new we don't have that much experience let's go race and and break some things and learn stuff really quickly that we can incorporate in in the cars that we're selling to people. You know, we're not at a NASCAR race, but uh, NASCAR does own this track. A lot of people don't know that. I don't know if you remember this, Casey, when Toyota got into NASCAR, Michael Waldrop had, had the first team. Uh, Dodge, Chrysler, they got out. Uh, and so you, you basically had Ford and Chevy uh, and Toyota uh, that was dominating that. And, you know, Toyota had come out with a hybrid technology. And I've, I've I fully believe that Toyota's entry into NASCAR changed a lot of the old-timers thinking about, quote, Japanese vehicles. Yeah, interesting. And But they didn't bring in the uh, the hybrid technology to NASCAR, did they? They were still running V8s there? Oh, yeah. They're, they, they started with V8s, and they're still running V8s. But I, I think once someone starts cheering for... Uh, you know, let's let's say they're they're cheering for uh, a NASCAR team that's running Toyota, like the Joe Gibbs Racing Team, uh, out, out of Charlotte, and you have your favorite driver. You know, you're wearing their outfit, and maybe now you go out and buy a Toyota Tundra. Uh, and maybe while you're there, your wife says, oh, I really like that Prius right there. I mean, you do create brand loyalty uh, with these race teams. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, you and I have both been at uh, Petit Le Mans before and gone to the uh, the BMW uh, owners uh, area. And there's uh, they, you know, take care of people nicely there. Um, and, yeah, it creates brand loyalty. I've, I've been a BMW person for a long time. Um, that's changed with my most recent purchase. But, uh, but you know, that that brand loyalty is important to car makers yeah you and i both got an invite to the uh, bmw hospitality area we'll be there tomorrow and i'll have my bmw hat on and uh i I certainly enjoyed having the x3 that we had and you had a great experience with your bmw absolutely i had two i3s electric uh both of them and and great experience with those um had a couple of bmws before that so um yeah they're, they're good cars you know, I talked to Sean Mathis the other day. We had him on the show. He hey, he has both a Porsche and a Tesla. And I really, you know, that's a person that really can draw a, a, I think, a non-biased distinctive. And he really said he preferred his Tesla over his Porsche. And you don't hear that very often. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've got a, a friend who also has a Porsche and a Tesla. Um, and he really enjoys his Tesla. And I think, you know, the... the 
you know, Tim, the way that I look at it is almost like horses, right? I mean, your daughter rides uh, horses, right? And, you know, it is something that is extremely enjoyable for people, um, but it happens in kind of certain areas, right? And I, I think that, you know, in the future, we'll see something similar to that where, you know, there is something about the roar of internal combustion engines like we're hearing here at the track today. Um, but I think it's going to be more of a, you know, hobby rather than a, you know, going down your street and everyone will be driving electric. Um, but, you know, if, if you like shifting, if you like that roar of the engine, I mean, there it'll be around for a while, I think. Yeah, I don't ever see it going away. Uh, I mean, I think people will always be able to buy gasoline. Uh, Casey, uh, your colleague Mike is in California, and California is the home of not only more electric cars uh, than any other state, but more classic cars. So you want to see a 55 Ford truck? You want to see a, Chevro- a Chevrolet Corvette of every model year? They're out there. Uh because Californians have really embraced classic cars. And I think, you know, Californians in their mind, they're, they're able to separate the two. I don't think they, they see themselves as being non-environmental or non-sustainable because they're driving a 68 Camaro. Yeah, so you know what's really exciting? I'm going to bring these two worlds together here, Tim. Um, both Ford and Chevrolet have recently released crate motors that are EV, that are electric motors. And for those people who aren't car geeks, the idea behind a crate motor is that you can get these motors from manufacturers like Ford and Chevy and put them in whatever you want, right? So if you want to do, you know, build your own lowrider, if you want to, you know, put it in an old truck, uh, you know, whatever. So they've got these electric crate motors that you can now buy from them. It's a like a dealer part and you can swap them into these classics. And I've seen some really nice jobs of people you know putting this new electric drivetrain technology in classic old cars you know casey we had a volkswagen here date uh, the id3 and you've seen the little volkswagen uh i guess minibus it's the id it's the id buzz i think is the bus yeah yeah so you know i had hoped that was going to be ready for my campaign and that i was going to be able to put a wrap on that and scoot around the state but but it's not it's not prime time yet do you see volkswagen uh, you know, as being the most aggressive German brand with electric vehicles. So let me back up a moment. Um, if you had gotten one, would you put like a peace sign and some daisies on on it for your campaign? You know, maybe small on the back. <laughs> All right, I love it, Tim. All right, so okay, back to the serious question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and part of it is that. Volkswagen got slammed, and, and Chris talked about it before in, in one of our previous segments for their, their diesel cheat devices. And so they basically said, you know, look, we got in trouble for this, and diesel's not going to be our future. We're going to go all in on electric. And so across all of the brands that Volkswagen owns, VW, Audi, Porsche, you know, Skoda, there's a couple other European uh, brands out there. They're really making a big push. And I think they are probably the most aggressive right now of the European manufacturers. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're seeing these cars trickle in. I mean, obviously the most popular brand that's been in the corral is, is the Tesla. And I, I just don't know that anyone can catch Elon Musk. I mean, with this sale of a hundred thousand units to Hertz, I mean, I mean, it, it, it has become uh, the standard bearing brand on EVs. 
it has, and there's a lot of brand recognition for Tesla out there among people who are interested in EVs. Um, I will say that I, I do think that they are, uh, they've got some competition coming quickly. And the competition is going to have a bunch of different body styles, um, more so than Tesla has. It's going to have higher quality than Tesla has and not necessarily be as tech forward. Um, you know, in the Model 3, you've got to operate everything through the screen. Um, um, and so I do think that with more models comes more choice and, and Tesla is going to face some, some real competition for the first time, really, since it, it started. But they did things so differently, right? Not using the dealer network. That was out of the box. Limited colors. Uh, that was uh, kind of out of the box. No TV advertising. Uh, you, you know, you go to a mall and, and you order it there. I'm, you know, there's really no traditional dealers to get them serviced. I mean, everything was so different. Yeah, it was. And they have done it really well. I mean, look, I, I my hat's off to Elon Musk and all of the folks at Tesla for doing what they have done as first startup American car company that survived right in in, you know, more than half a century. Um, but, you know, what we find in our research at Escalon, Tim, is that a lot of people like going to the dealer. They like test driving before they buy something. They like have, having someone that they can go talk to. Um, you know, you've talked about the people at your dealerships that you've got a long time relationship with the service technicians. So, you know, not saying dealerships are the best or that Tesla's direct sales are the, is the best, but that, you know, giving people choice is good because different people like different things. You know, I, we owned a car auction, right, growing up. I, my granddad bought that auction in 1960, and I was, you know, I'd just been born. And he bought this car auction, brought his sons and daughters into the business. They eventually sell it to Mannheim uh, and essentially never have to work another day in their life. They, they did so well in building up that business, and the money that made they made off the land as well as the business was just phenomenal. Uh, but... Uh, as, as things have, have moved forward, you've had Mannheim now by Kelly Blue Book. Uh, you've had them by autotrader.com. You've had them put a tremendous investment into Rivian. I mean, things are changing and, you know, and moving forward. And, you know, as, you know, I started working at Ford in 1982, you know, after college and loved, loved that experience. But I, I just think the whole auto world is being turned around with the Carvanas, the Teslas, and, and the whole buying experience with these millennials will never be the same. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is a lot of innovation right now that's happening. And, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how things shake out over time in terms of what changes, what doesn't, um, you know, never been a better time other than maybe price to, <laughs> to buy a car. Yeah, uh, uh, unbelievable how much cars are costing. It's a good time to sell a car. It's not a great time to buy a car. Uh, Casey, as we wrap up our, our broadcast here at Road Atlanta, I appreciate you being here, being uh, the co-host for, uh, of our show. And uh, we just we just keep going, keep letting folks know uh, the value in this good and bad. And I uh, hope we can have Georgia to be a part of the supply chain as we make this transition to EVs. Yeah, well, as always, it's great to be here with you. Thank you for all of your leadership across the state around electric vehicles. And it's great to be up here at Road Atlanta uh, checking out some of the Petit Le Mans. Well, I'm Tim Eccles. He's Casey Boyce. We're at Road Atlanta. Thanks for joining us today. And I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Energy does matter. Hey, we'll see you next time.
Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at SolarSunWorld.com. SolarSunWorld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.